0: Good evening, everybody. I'm Travis Dow, and welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. Oh, it feels good to say that. And since our last episode, I have finally, well, I've gotten a lot of alchemy reading done because, you know, it's been a while. Uh, In any case, there is a new Podcast Nick YouTube channel out. There is a uh, new Podcast Nick podcast, the Podcast Nick show, I guess we're calling it, uh, just based off of the audio feed for the um, YouTube channel, but also like 10 times more content. And uh, the idea is to shows that I've kind of let <laughs> neglected a little bit, let's say, like the history of alchemy, but also ones that were just retiring completely like like Africa history. Also, as a, for a, a way for me to just be able to talk about any historical topic I want or any topic I want for that matter, just kind of do whatever we want. We've put those just audio only podcasts on the podcast Nick feed as well. And this episode is for the YouTube channel. There is a video on the Podcastnik uh, YouTube channel, which is also linked to on Podcastnik.com, which is a n- kind of new introduction to alchemy. Uh, which I, I just really wanted to to do a video for this. I gave my first lecture in German on alchemy and like in front of a classroom and uh just having a visual component just really helps like just being able to write stuff down or having a map or being able to point to a timeline uh so i can do all of that in video i kind of edited it all together and spent a lot of time and effort on it so i really would appreciate if you check out the the podcast nick youtube channel which again you can find on podcastnick.com and there is new content coming in fact i'm you know, I've said this forever, but I do have a manuscript of a book almost entirely finished. And I'm just trying to trying to like put the last couple of thoughts together. I've said that for a year now, but it is kind of getting there. And as that comes out, we'll have new episodes on alchemy out as well. Um, Some like specific, I want to talk about specific like chemical reactions and some of the raw materials used in, in the lab. um, And then just introduce some more alchemists and specifically the book i'm writing is a tour through prague in the golden age in the time of rudolf ii i was a tour guide in prague and so i thought you know what if we had sort of a time machine and i could describe everything that i know that's just right around the turn of the century right before the 30 years war or like just just years before the defenestration of prague even in the same castle you know so just a, a critical time and place and i'm i'm writing a whole book on that so yeah, don't unsubscribe. There's more stuff coming. Meanwhile, why don't you check out the Podcast Nick uh, show, the Podcast Nick podcast, the Podcast Nick YouTube channel. All of that stuff is is linked to on podcastnick.com or just follow us on Twitter. There's also a, a new uh, Podcast Nick shop. We have new Alchemy merch out right now. Um, it's actually been kind of popular without even me even talking about it on the show but we have like not just our own new designs uh, for alchemy but also like just our our kind of curated content stuff that we think is cool ourselves basically because we are history nerds so anyways here's another you know uh, introduction to alchemy if it seems a little bit dense that's because there's a visual component on on it so go check out the video if you can but uh, here it is People ask me all the time, what is alchemy? You don't get asked that all the time? That's weird. I sure do. And I'll tell you, it's really simple. It's a 1,700-year-old field that tries to turn lead into gold. All right, that's it. I mean, they also were after, like, eternal life and creating artificial life, you know, homunculus and the elixir of life. But really, it's the Philosopher's Stone trying to turn lead into gold wait so first you have to think a little bit more like the philosophers of the day like 500 or a thousand years ago it all kind of comes down to Aristotle's four elements earth air fire water and then maybe the properties of like air is wet and dry fire is hot and dry those kind of properties by looking at its properties you can figure out what matter is composed of which is pretty scientific in a way. Galen and Hippocrates added to this in the field of medicine as the four humors, which is important, but not now. But other people added to the field of alchemy and what matter is composed of, like Abu Bakr Muhammad ibn Zakariya al-Razi, or in the West just known as Razis. He added to the theory by saying what metal is made out of, namely sulfur, mercury, and some salts. Al-Razi also started to classify compounds and minerals, which is really important for later chemistry and science, but not for us right now. So moving on. Now, matter has properties like it's red, or it's light, or it doesn't smell bad, or of course it's wet, cold, dry, whatever. And back in the day, there was a computer where you could calculate what certain matter is made out of. You have air, earth, fire, water, but then there's another dial on the computer for Those properties, like dry, wet, hot, cold, and so forth. And then, of course, they were all Kabbalists back then. So, the dignities of God, like good, greatness, power, mercy. And then around that, the alphabet. And those dials all turn and spin. And then you uh, figure out, you get your inputs and outputs just like a computer. You figure out what the material is made out of that you uh, were trying to find out. So, by knowing that it's light and dry and maybe earth you also can find out that it's good and merciful and great. So that's matter. And that was the Majorcan Ramon Lulz computer from the 12th century, or whenever he did it. Now, properties might have things like blue and, you know, light and cold and whatever. But what about the stuff they couldn't explain 500 years ago, like magnetism or gravity or even mold growing out of a stone? The unknown, the unknowable explanations, the unknowable properties are Occult properties. The unknown is just occult, and the occult properties also kind of lead to the occult sciences or the hermetic sciences. And the occult sciences are astrology, alchemy, and magic. And they all go together. But we are talking about alchemy here. So we are also talking about the precursor to chemistry and physics and some aspects of medicine. And like pharmacology and definitely chemistry, if I didn't mention that one. Metallurgy, a ton of scientific discoveries and inventions, artificial dyes. And what does make science science? What makes alchemy important for the history of science is experimentation. If you think of an alchemist, you probably imagine an alchemist's lab, some guy slaving over a furnace, mixing together some witch's potion sort of deal. That's pretty accurate. But through their experimentation, they got consistent results. They wrote those down. Even if in weird code with weirdness and complexities that were unnecessary, it wasn't scientific notation by any means. But the fact that they wrote down their results and they could replicate results and everything, that's kind of science. That's experimentation. Alchemists accidentally invented better distillation methods, control systems like to keep a, you know, like a thermostat to keep a steady temperature over time, on a furnace, all kinds of artificial dyes and tanning, and of course glass, like, inventions, and better theories and optics, and all sort of things that came from weird alchemists' ideas. And they also worked side by side with the smelters and essayers of the mining industry. But the other thing that makes it kind of scientific is empiricism. They had empirical evidence. They had evidence that alchemy was a thing, that metals ripened. They thought lead eventually, or tin, or iron, or whatever, turned to silver and gold naturally in the earth. The evidence for this by written, like Michael Sendivogius, had theories on this, but this is kind of an older theory, um, that when you do see a mine, and you're mining for copper let's say, you might see traces of silver in that mine. And if you're mining for silver, you might see traces of gold, or vice versa, And because of that, they thought maybe, you know, it wasn't kind of metal was on a spectrum and it was kind of, you know, started out in lead and tin and then kind of ripened with the steady heat in the earth, you know, that the deeper down in mines you go, it gets hotter and hotter. They had all these ideas of naturally gold is created and can be seeded and can be regrown. And there's this whole idea of, you know, getting to the purest gold. That's actually what the Philosopher's Stone is. It's just... Gold that's so pure that it makes other metals boom, turn into gold. Huh? That's what alchemy is. I guess you can stop listening now or watching. Now the thing is all metals are refined. Remember they're made out of mercury and sulfur? But wait, that can't be, because mercury and sulfur, if you put those together, there you get mercury sulfide. Not any metal. You get cinnabar, which is red, and it's a min I mean it's it's a mineral that the ancient Greeks knew as a substance. So when Al Razi talks about breaking down metals into its sulfur and mercury components. He's actually then talking about philosophical mercury and philosophical sulfur, which now we're getting into alchemy. And gold, what are the properties of gold? Gold is pliable. Gold doesn't bond. It doesn't have, it doesn't alloy with other metals. It is, it wants to be pure. It wants to be by itself. It is a noble metal. And those properties were then seen as noble and trying to get other metals to be more like gold. Gold was thought to have healing properties, and potable gold or drinkable gold is one of the many definitions of the elixir of life. Gold is pure. And now we're really starting to talk about how they understood alchemy back in the day. Forget the periodic table. Forget the modern atomic theory. Conservation of mass. Unknown gibberish to the ancient philosophers who followed the hermetic arts. Hermetic arts? What's that? The occult sciences. Already, sorry to confuse you. It's the hermetic sciences, the, the occult science, magic, astrology, and alchemy. Oh, you don't know who Hermes Trismegistus is? Okay, so let's actually look at alchemy at its beginnings and roots a little bit. Alchemy is the word itself comes from, uh, you don't have to, why Why trust me on this? Just go look it up. Alchemia. Um, uh, we get it from French, alchemy. It's kind of the same in Latin. You might see chemia or alchemia or whatever. Um, But in any case, that definitely comes from Arabic, al-kimia. And kimia comes from Greek. There's two theories to the theory of where that comes from. And that could be, both could be correct. First of all, it's kimia is like a mixture, which is where modern chemistry comes from. In a chemical process, you're combining two elements or more, whatever, and coming up with a mineral, an alloy, some combination of those, a mineral compound. So you're mixing. The other theory is Chem could come from the word black, as in Egypt. So the Black Nile soil, which was fertile, uh, was black. So the the fertile soil of Egypt versus the yellow desert sand around it. Um, that kind of contrast of, you know, black on a really light color. So chem, it's the mysteries from Egypt. And in fact, now we're getting closer because Hermes Trismegistus goes way back, certainly to the fourth century AD in Alexandria. That's Ptolemaic Egypt. Fourth century Alexandria is a crazy place. We have Gnosticism, like Christians who thought they had secret knowledge that shouldn't be shared with everybody, only the adept, like a secret society. Our first extant actual manuscript from an alchemist is by a man named Zosimos of Pelopolis, who himself was probably Jewish and had a bunch of, I believe in like Jewish mysticism, not Kabbalah, that comes later, but definitely along those lines um, than like mainstream Judaism. He was also kind of into Neoplatonism and Hermeticism. Now Neoplatonism, just like in Alexandria, there was these weird cults of Neopythagorans, Pythagoras was that you know geometry dude you had to learn in school. Um, Neo- Pythagoreans were not math nerds. They were like weird. It was definitely a sect or a cult. They had these weird occult practices. Um, and the only thing it had in common with Pythagoras is that they believed in like the golden mean and the you know the the universe has mathematical secrets and is written in mathematical languages and. Um, but it was definitely more of a religion than a science, for sure. And the Neoplatonists went far beyond the belief of Plato, Aristotle's teacher and the student of Socrates, that that Plato, um, you know, platonic solids and forms and everything. Well, Neoplatonists designed this whole religion around um Platonism, like there's the one and the world spirit and the, you know, under the one. So it's kind of like a monotheistic religion, but but the one is so unattainable. There's like these interpreter gods in between and the god of this and that. And I wouldn't quite call it monotheistic. It's like an in-between of monotheism and, you know, just their average Greek beliefs of Zeus and whatnot. Uh, but it's definitely its own thing. And it was developed for hundreds of years by the time it comes to Alexandria in the fourth century. So... Like there's Platonists and neo and Middle Platonists and Neoplatonists, and none of they all just called themselves Platonists. But by the fourth century, they were some kooky dudes, all right. Um, and then there's Hermes Trismegistus. Now at the time, including neo, you know, early modern period, like 1600s, 1500s, the Golden Age of Alchemy, they thought. Hermes Trismegistus, the same as Zosimos in 400 AD and the Medici's in, you know, 1400, 1450 in the Renaissance. So they, all these people thought that Hermes Trismegistus was this ancient character. We're talking ancient knowledge, like a contemporary of Moses or maybe like a Chaldean Babylonian Version of a prophet like Zoroaster, like this kind of ancient knowledge. Where also you know where we get astrology from? Like astrology comes from Babylonians and Assyrians and Sumerians and Chaldeans and all those. Um, The Magi, the the three wise men in the Bible, is where we get our word magic from. They were from Medes. So this ancient knowledge. Was definitely around still in Alexandria, Ptolemaic Alexandria. Zosimos picked this up. Zosimos is an interesting character because you could call him a Jew, but you could call him many, many other things. Like he wasn't just just a Jew; he was a total mystic, kind of out there, fun guy to learn about. And he does write of Hermes and a couple of alchemists that came before him, like Miriam the Prophetess and that kind of thing. So in any case, this was taken seriously. You can't just like just you know brush off hermeticism because now we know. You know, those texts probably come from Egypt or even... But, like, Isaac Newton translated Hermes' emerald tablet. I mean, Isaac Newton was, like, 100 years after the Golden Age of Alchemy. So, in modern science time... I mean, we think Isaac Newton is, like, oh, he's the guy with gravity and calculus and, you know, modern mathematician. No, he also translated Hermes Trismegistus. So, if we want to think of alchemists the way that they thought, you know, at the time, then we can't discount Hermes Trismegistus. He is, like an authority figure like Moses. Okay, anyways, you got Christian Gnostics with their secret knowledge. You got um, Jewish mysticism, not Kabbalah, but things like Hermes and, you know, other beliefs. So the other two Hermetic arts are magic and astrology. So uh, that kind of comes into it. Hermes, Hermes Trismegistus, uh, for, for astronomy or for why why people should care about astronomy, it was, you know, as above, so below. That's the Hermes, that, that's a Hermes quote. So, you know, as the cosmos and the stars, there's kind of a mere impact on us so that's why people that like believe in astrology you know they read the their hor- horoscope it's like well there's something happened up, up up above but we're in tune to that we're part of that world spirit we're part of that whatever theory you want to go for whatever religion you're tuned to that so the stars do matter so astronomy was actually developed for better horoscopes for better astrology not the other way around science progressed so you could tell the future better. Okay, don't get it twisted. It was that way. Hermes this, so the same thing as above, so below. So the macrocosm is a mirror in the microcosm. That's another, that's a Hermes thing where specifically alchemists read that to believe I read that to mean that what happens in mines, what happens naturally in mother nature in the earth, we can also do in lab. Ma- microcosm, macrocosm. If you get a furnace just right for the right amount of time, you get the right natural conditions, basically, you can replicate what happens in nature and turn lead into gold. We now know that's not how metals exist. So, by the way, I'm not stupid. I know that metals are individual elements, so lead is one element. On the periodic table, gold is another. And outside of like a particle accelerator or inside of a star, <laughs> you're not going to tra- change light into gold. It has been done in a particle accelerator, but not the way alchemists thought 500 years ago. Never, not once. But it's Hermes that g- kind of gave them that belief system that what happens there could also happen here. And frankly, now we replicate stuff all the time in a lab. Look, my needles are see-through. You think those we got that from a tree somewhere? No, that's synthetic wood, if you will. I won't. We make stuff all the time in a lab, is what I'm saying. Now, how did they make gold? The whole process of calcination, oxidation, fermentation, uh, the black phase and the white phase, the peacock's tail, and merging the red and white dragons and the queens. And listen, we've all described all that elsewhere. That's. This is not the time or place for tell you how to make gold. Go and have a listen. However, I'll tell you right now, you won't get rich. Unless you have a particle accelerator. Then you already are rich. But all these ideas floating around Alexandria came to be their own field, which we now know as alchemy. This field of alchemy went east. Jews translated it to and from Hebrew. Nestorian Christians helped translate it to Arabic. And from there it went to Persia, where al-Razi wrote on it, expanded on it. Folks like al-Ghazali and other famous you know, kind of influencers of alchemy. And then slowly in the Middle Ages, Crusades and then the fall of Constantinople, the fall of Spain, for sure. Toledo had a great alchemical library. All those events, each time that happened, each time one of those events happened, including Crusades and even, you know, starting in the, let's say, 12th, 13th century, things were translated into Arabic and disseminated across Europe to where, like, Popes and emperors, like the Holy Roman Emperors, had alchemical labs in their private chambers. Queen Elizabeth had an alchemical lab in her private chambers. So did, yeah, there was in the Vatican several times. Several popes had, you know, alchemical experiments running while maybe banning on upon upon the penalty of death the practice of alchemy in their realm. You gotta watch out for inflation, after all. And alchemy existed from 400 AD in Alexandria to about 1700, definitely dead by 1800, but for 1400 years, alchemy was debated. Was it even real? Was it not real? If it was, was it natural or supernatural? If it was natural, could it be replicated in a lab or is it just beyond our capabilities of, as humans? As, you know, is it beyond science? Well, or is it supernatural? Is it then due to the devil or because of God's will? This was debated for, like I said, a millennia and a half. Still is among historians who thought what and what side of arguments people come down on throughout history. A lot of people wrote on alchemy just to call everybody charlatans and frauds and complain about it. Debunk alchemy, if you will. Especially more and more in the um 16th, 17th, 18th centuries. By Isaac Newton's time, it was, whew. Isaac Newton had to be super secret and watch out. Isaac Newton wrote more on alchemy than he did on everything else combined. He was an alchemist first and foremost. Your uh, theory of gravity and calculus and all that. No, he was after people that could grow the peacock's tail. As weird as that sounds, that's, that's for sure true. Anyways, this is what we do on the History of Alchemy podcast, which you can find on podcastnik.com or historyofalchemy.com. Podcastnik.com, podcastnik.com is where all of our other shows are. we got a YouTube channel, which is probably where you're watching this. Unless you're listening to the audio version of this, hey, there's a video that you can see me knitting in a suit in front of a green screen and telling the same story. It, which that's kind of cool because I have stuff going on behind me. If you're listen, if you're watching this and you're like, yeah, I already figured that out. Thanks, Travis. But we do talk about some 70 alchemists and dozens of concepts relating to alchemy, like the uh, philosophical mercury and the dignities of God and Kabbalah, Neoplatonism. Um, oh, geez, her yeah, Hermes Trismegistus, Hermeticism, what that is. What does occult sciences mean? At uh, somewhere, someplace. I don't know exactly where I put it right now, but Um, There's this nice book I wrote that's really simple to read because it's only like 30 pages. I don't know. You can find it on Amazon or if you want to do us a huge favor, go to podcastnikshop.com. That's podcast, N-I-K, shop.com. Check out our merch It's pretty sweet. If you're watching the video, you're looking at it right now, trust me, somehow, in post-edit. If you're on the podcast, please do check out podcastnickshop.com, because if you're an alchemy nerd like me, or you like history of the occult and science and all that, there's a lot there for you. Not just our own merch, but our own private collection of alchemical stuff. Uh, Anything we could get our hands on, really. And the shop grows all the time. So if, you, if you've if you been there before, check it out anyways. Sign up for our newsletter. We'd love to stay in touch and figure out what, you know, let you know what we're doing. We will not spam you. In fact, you might only hear from us like once or twice a year. But that really, you know, even if you do drift and you unsubscribe and you, um, you know, we got 10 podcasts out. Right now, I got 10 podcast feeds, two YouTube channels, and a partridge in a pear tree. So... Definitely. I'm not even going to tell you where to follow us on Twitter, like at PodcastNik, at Travis J. Dow, at AlchemyPod. Um, Go to PodcastNik.com, and all the rest is kind of there for you. Check out our other videos. Check out our other shows. Check out our merch. Thanks for subscribing. Spread the word. We do have sponsors, and if they gave us any kind of promotion code to pass on, then they're in the description. So check that out. Anyways, turning lead into gold, that's what alchemy is. It's not that hard to understand. Thanks for watching.